This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a big show, a real big shoe. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and goodbye November, because we're saying hello, good luck into that party month of months, December. Between holiday parties, family parties, and neighborhood get-togethers, how do you not just survive it, but actually enjoy these soirees? Here to help you rock holiday interactions, we welcome the author of Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People, Vanessa Van Edwards. Plus, are you hosting your own party and bored with the same old stand-around chatting event? How about a gathering where you make your drinks? Today, we'll welcome a guy you saw on Shark Tank from wine-blending party pack maker Blantique. Say hello to Billy Dim. That's not all. We'll answer a listener letter and tackle some of my amazing trivia. And now, because this show won't start itself... Joe Saul Seahawk. Welcome to a special episode of the Stacky Benjamins Show. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Saul Seahawk, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and we are closing out November with a bang, talking all these holiday parties that drive me crazy. And here on today's special episode, a special appearance by the man who hasn't shaved today. It's my good buddy, OG. I guess no shave November is over, and so I should have got the razor out for December the first. Well, you just got to mean you don't like you don't like holiday parties. Is that what you said? I don't. Do you company Christmas parties? I'm a people person, as you know. <laughs> yeah. So I totally love being around other people all the time. 
Which is why I work with you in the basement where there's no other people ever. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever any guest comes in, you amazingly escape to the next room, right? Yeah. Hey, today's show is brought to you by The Stacker. We're rebooting our newsletter for a new year. We're going to have 52 weeks of great money advice. So if you're tired of listening to a podcast where you don't learn anything, tune into the place where we do teach some good stuff, stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker. So start off 2019 on a great, great, great note. Uh, Always free and unsubscribe whenever you want. Though mom always puts her issue, the stacker on the fridge. 52 straight days of tips. One per week. Once a month for 52 months. Once a week. for Every year for the next 52 years. You get it. <laughs> this intro is going to be 52 years long if we don't get moving. Vanessa Van Edwards is waiting here. You know what? We've got a very special episode today. We're going to just talk to Vanessa and then we're going to talk to Billy Dim from Blend Teak. And OG and I'll be back with your letters after all that. So let's get this party started. Hanging upstairs talking to mom. If you're somebody that just like I do cringes at the thought of all the holiday parties you're going to go to. And not just that, OG, this year I'm going to, they're throwing a goodbye party, Oliver. And there's nothing. No, no, that's a good riddance party. Good riddance. There's, there's two, those are two separate things altogether. Everybody's getting loaded because the Salsi highs are finally leaving Texarkana, right? Uh, we, we're having that, just the idea of a party. Give me like three people in a room, four people, I'm fine. Give me 50 people and oh God, no. But Vanessa is the chief researcher at scienceofpeople.com. You might've seen her TED talk. You'll see Vanessa all over the place. But right now she's coming downstairs to help you survive the holiday party. Not just survive OG, but also make a great impression. And maybe we talked about starting off your new year, right? How about starting off your new year, maybe making some great new connections for 2019. Let's say hello to Vanessa Van Edwards. And coming down to the basement, Vanessa Van Edwards, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us because as you know, this is a horrifying time of year for a lot of people. Like you got to go to these parties. You've got all of these people that you barely know and walking through it is so difficult, Vanessa. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think it's almost more horrifying than Halloween, the holiday season. (laughs) I think the reason is because holiday parties hit this very awkward, interesting mix of having to put your best foot forward because you usually see people you haven't seen all year sometimes. You know, you go to a holiday party, you haven't seen them all year. You really want to show, oh, you've lost weight. Oh, you have a great new job. You're doing so so well. Or you see them every day at work and you're like, now what do we talk about? Right, right, right. And then you're like, hey, buckaroo, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. How about that work project? I think that there is a better way, um, especially for getting into the awkwardness. And I was thinking about if I had to sum up the best ways to survive holiday parties, I would do it based on your natural personality orientation. And the reason for this is because I think most people think they have to be an extrovert to be liked right. or to be charismatic. And I actually think that the worst thing you can tell an introvert or an ambivert is to feign being an extrovert because that's like setting you up for disaster. Yeah, I can't imagine. What's funny is, I mean, I'm kind of a hybrid there. I don't know. What was the middle thing you said? An ambivert? 
Yes. I was always one of those people where when someone said, are you an extrovert or introvert? I was like, eh, like I never felt like they quite fit me. Um, and then I discovered there's this term called ambivert and actually most people are ambiverts. So here, let me go over the three and then, you know, everyone can sort of think what bucket you fall into and we can talk about different tips. Awesome. So, so the first introvert is the, you know, I feel like, you know, last year was the year of the introvert. Everyone's talking about introverts. Um, so introverts get their recharge time from being solo. They process solo. They cherish their alone time. They typically use less words in the average day. Um, that's how they recharge. The other end of the spectrum is extroverts. Extroverts recharge with people. When they have something good going on, they want to celebrate with people. When they have something bad going on, they want to commiserate with people. Uh, they love, love to be around people because that's how they recharge. Ambiverts are situational extroverts or situational introverts, meaning around the right people in the right situation, you kind of come alive. You get energy, but around the wrong people in toxic environments, you completely shut down and want to be alone. I think that most people are ambiverts. And so what's really important is to think about the holiday season and honoring your natural personality strengths. Because I think that there are multiple different kinds of charisma. You just have to find the one that kind of works for you as opposed to pretending to be that extrovert. Are there introverts pretending to be extroverts? Because I've, when you first talked about ambiverts, I'm like, that's totally me. But then I thought, well, I'm more on the introvert side of that, mm -hmm. Vanessa. I think where even when I get energy, like as an example, Mm -hmm. tonight's board game night at mom's house going to be around a bunch of people and it's going to be a lot of fun, but it doesn't recharge my batteries. I still need that alone time to still my battery recharged. Mm -hmm. Then you probably do fall a little bit lower on the spectrum. And I do think the personality is a spectrum instead of thinking of it as these three boxes, oh, think yeah. of it as like a continuum, right? Yeah. And you can swing up and down at different points in your life. For example, for me, when I'm doing certain work things, like I love learning, I love doing podcasts like this, I swing way up towards the ambivert extrovert end. But if you put me in a loud nightclub or a loud bar with cool people wearing cool shoes and cool hair and cool jackets, I swing way to the other side where I swing to the introvert side. So that's kind of the, that's actually brings us perfectly in talking about holiday parties is to think about what is the way, what swings you into extrovert naturally? So what actually gives you energy and set yourself up for success? So let's start with introverts. Gotcha. I think I love working with introverts. Most of our students are introverts. So for introverts, uh, the very first thing is to come prepared with conversation starters that you actually want to answer. And the reason for this is because you're going to probably have to talk to people at your office party, at your family party, at your holiday party. And the worst is when someone comes up to you and they're kind of like, so how's it going? Good. Yeah. Uh, how about you? <laughs> so, right? Like that's how it goes, right? And so what I like for introverts to do is to think about, okay, if someone walks up to you and says, hey, how are you? Or how's it going? Right. Very typical. What's a very comfortable, easy bridge topic that you can easily bridge into? It should be one that you really want to talk about yourself. And it should be second, something you're actually interested in someone else's answer because it's never good to fake interest in something. So my favorites for the holidays are any big plans for New Year's. So usually if you have cool plans for New Year's, great. It gives you a reason to talk about it. If usually people have something fun planned or some idea, even if it's just sitting at home and relaxing, that's also a great answer. So have anything good planned for New Year's. You could also ask, um, have you gotten anything good this Christmas or this holiday season yet? Right. You can ask any, any great gifts. You could also ask any favorite holiday traditions. 
right? Any question that would make you feel excited to hear someone's answer, that's the question you want to pick. And that should be in your back pocket, ready to go. So you're coming to the party with that ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's how you prevent that kind of awkwardness when you're standing in line at the bar or you're seated next to someone at a holiday party and you don't know what to talk about. Because usually if you have something that's better than, have you been busy? How's it going? Where are you from? Right? Those are the, those yeah. are the three conversations. Yeah. They're dead ends. They're conversational dead ends. Because what happens is they have a scripted answer, right? How many times have you been in a conversation where it feels like you're reading from a social script? Right. Where you know, you have the answer, you're totally brain dead. Oh yeah, I'm just in marketing and yep, come here every year. Great. Mm-hmm. Right. Like same answer. And they do too. And then it goes Burp, and like the conversation just ends. Whereas if you think of something that's, um, what I like to think about is like producing dopamine, right? Dopamine simplified is a kind of pleasure chemical. And when we're excited or energized, we feel a lot of dopamine. So I try to think of what could I get them talking about that will spark just a little bit of dopamine because that is so much easier to build on and won't probably won't lead you to an awkward silence. Nice. Which by the way, should calm down introverts that are listening to this because what you're saying is too, you're not looking to finish the conversation. You're just looking to get a little bit started and then hopefully it'll grow organically from that point. Exactly. And also this is in your back pocket. This is a back pocket conversation starter. You don't need to walk up. My introverts don't feel like you have to walk up to someone and be like, Hey, I'm Vanessa. What's your best holiday gift? Like that's not you. That's not you. That's okay. This is like for your back pocket. Hopefully an extrovert in the room will come up and be chatty and talk to you and love it. Great. But if you get paired with someone who's a fellow introvert or doesn't know what to say, this is your back pocket savior. Right when it's trailing off. So you get to that awkward point where the scripted conversation is like, so uh, how the hell do I get out of this? Exactly. And that's your savior right there. And and if you can come up with even two or three. This might be the, the opposite end of the spectrum, Vanessa. But on the other end, you do get these. If you're an introvert, you get these extroverts that chat and chat and chat and chat. And you're in total hell and you want to get out of the conversation. How do you go from, and I know that you're the person that wrote the book Captivate. How do you uncaptivate somebody and disengage politely? No. Okay. I'm so glad you asked because I think that we focus way too much on the first impression. We're actually leaving a lasting last impression is just as important. Mm -hmm. So being captivating is being able to start a conversation and end a conversation well. So I have a, a video I did on graceful exits. And so I'll give you a couple of really graceful ways you can exit a conversation. So um, here are some of my favorites. First is usually you can gracefully exit a conversation naturally with a mention of a, a future mention. So what I mean by that is, let's say the conversation is going, 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 and you're ready to wrap it up. You need to go to the bathroom, you want to go home, whatever it is. Mention something in the immediate future, like have any big weekend plans or what are your big plans for New Year's? They answer, you answer, you go, well, It was so great talking to you. I hope you have a wonderful time doing X, Y, Z. I'm so excited for you. It was great talking to you. It's a nice way that very subtle, like wishing of well, it's an easy way to end it. There's no awkward anything and you can kind of wish them the best on their journey or on their venture. And there's also a little finality in your voice. Yeah, exactly. And and it's calm and easy, right? So you know this question is teeing you up to end the conversation. You know it's coming. And so you don't answer, you can answer with that kind of, tonality final. So like, for example, if someone to say, so, you know, what are your plans this weekend? I could say, you know, I have some big plans with family. I'm so excited. You know, it was so great speaking to you. I'm going to go get ready for those plans and um, hopefully I can see you next year. It kind of gives like a nice outro. 
That is so awesome. Yeah. And they think nice of you because you complimented them. You gave them a nice, a nice goodbye. I mean, it's not awkward. There's no awkward at all in that. Yeah. If that doesn't work for you, the other one you can do is some kind of an action step. So let's say, for example, um, you were chatting and uh, you mentioned uh, a book that you really loved. You could say, you know, give me your email. I'll follow up with you and send you the, the link to that book. It was so great talking to you. Nice. So you can actually circle back to the offer or the favor or, you know, it was so great talking to you. I'll, I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. I'll make sure I do it later this week. Something like that is usually a really nice, easy way also to say, it's been great and I'm going to reach out to you in the future, but not right now. <laughs> yeah. And then it seems like you have to make sure you write that down and do it. And usually for at least for introverts, because we're in kind of the introvert category, that's actually better. That kind of prepared social response, like a follow up, follow through. And so it's really easy to be able to say, hey, this has maybe been a short but nice conversation. Yeah, we had yeah. one or two prepared conversation starters. And I'll connect with you later on email or on LinkedIn. That's much more comfortable. Way more comfortable. Yeah. And now we've had a nice warm greeting and it's going to be easy from there. What about those people in the middle then? Yes. Okay. So ambiverts, ambiverts, you're you're my people. I'm an ambivert as well. So here's what's really important about ambiversion is to know what your triggers are. So there are triggers that trigger you up. They create these upward spirals. They could be people you love. They could be situations you love. Like, for example, you mentioned game night. I love board games. I love games. I know that any game night I'm going to do really well. I love like verbal conference starters or um, like verbal puzzles. That's like a good night for me. Whereas I also have negative triggers, typically really loud rooms, really loud networking events or really loud bars trigger me downward. I get really awkward. It makes me really uncomfortable. So if you can build up your positive triggers, bring a wing woman who you love go to a restaurant or party you love, or if you're hosting a holiday party you love, set up events or activities or conversation starters that you like. The most important thing though is to try to avoid the negative triggers. So for example, if I have to go to a holiday party that's in a very loud place, I can't avoid it, right? I have to go. I will show up very early or very late when there's less people in the room. Oh, nice. I know it will be quieter. Nice, yeah. So I I would think about how you could set it up that way. I was thinking about times like that too. I was just at an event and obviously you've thought about this far more categorically than I have, (laughs) but all I did, and I think it was just self-preservation was I said to somebody I was starting a conversation with, I said, Hey, you want to walk outside? And then once we got outside, this conversation that was so stilted and awkward became so much easier, more fun. Yes. And so, okay. So finding the quiet corners. Finding the outside space. I love when I'm at big, big conferences, networking events, I'll say, hey, do you want to grab a plate with me? You know, you grab a plate, you get eat together, you find a little side table off to the side, you have a little conversation. And then by the way, the best thing, I never, ever get a huge dinner plate at these parties. Ever, ever, ever. The reason why is because first of all, if you only go to the buffet once and you're, you sit with a big plate with people, you're stuck there for a long time, right? right? <laughs> and if you're in a bad conversation, it's real hard to get out. But if you take a little small plates, you could say, you know, I'm going to get more plates. It was great talking to you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your dinner. Oh, that's fantastic. You're up and off. I love that. That, that is that is fantastic and feels a little evil, but it's brilliant. <laughs> well, also, I mean, hey, look, if it's a bad conversation, you're saving you both. That's right. right? No, that's like, true. If, if it's like awkward and stilted and like every conversation starter is like, mur, mur, like just doesn't really, there's like no 
it doesn't glide well, you're saving you both by freeing them up to go meet someone great and for freeing you up to meet someone great. So get really small plates because one, you can excuse yourself quickly, but also two, you might meet someone interesting at the buffet table. Yeah, that's right? like the more times you go up, the more chances you have to meet someone interesting, which for an ambivert can be good and bad. If, if food and eating and festivities is your positive trigger, great. If it's not a good trigger for you, eat beforehand, right? I- didn't even go there. Yeah, I didn't even think about that before the event. Yeah, I had an ambivert student who said to me, you know, I really, I'm uncomfortable. I hate having to hold a plate and shake someone's hand. And I'm terrible at talking. I, I hate eating with my mouth full. And so I said to her, then never eat at events. Always eat before you go or go at the very end of the event so you can eat after everyone's already gone. Set yourself up for success by never having to hold a plate. That's fantastic. And it's funny because as you're talking about these things, I think... 20 to 30 minutes of prep ahead of time, just strategizing ahead of time, Vanessa, goes a long way. It's a good point because for both introverts and ambiverts, usually we need a little bit of recharge time or a little bit of warm up time. One of the things I like to think about is, you know, musicians warm up for performances, athletes warm up for games. Why don't professionals warm up for meetings? Why don't professionals warm up for events? And so I actually do like having a little bit of a warm-up routine. And that could be as simple as just listening to a great podcast like this in the car, right? Like I think that listening to people who wish us well, like everyone who's listening here, I want you to succeed at these events more than anything. And so listening to people who just inspire you or make you feel welcome, that's going to carry into the event. It could be as simple as a podcast. It could be as extravagant as working out, meditating, and doing yoga. Yeah, That's fine too. So I'm imagining that Vanessa – where what I've felt like with introverts, it's finding ways to turn it up. And I'm guessing with ambiverts, it's finding the right triggers in the right situation. Is extroverts about kind of turning it down? No. Well, you know, it's interesting that you would say that. So when I think about extroverts, they have a beautiful talent. And I think that their talent should actually be dialed up. What I mean by that is you know, the extroverts in my life are, I'm so grateful for them because one, they're natural born connectors Two, they're natural born ravers. They're incredibly good at like making these raving introductions and pumping you up and their enthusiasm and excitement is often infectious. And so actually as an extrovert, it's about finding whatever that natural talent is that you take for granted. You probably take this totally for granted and thinking, how could my natural talent help my fellow introverts and ambiverts? Because if you go into holiday parties thinking, how can I be helpful to my my fellow introverts and ambiverts, you're not only just coming with an amazing spirit into the event, but you're also honoring what you're naturally good at. And so typically extroverts are really good at one of three things, or even maybe even all three. I mentioned two of them. So um, being a great connector, being a raver, so like really good, being good at introduction. And then the third one is being enthusiastic and excited. So with those three things, how could you go to a party and introduce people who need to meet? How could you go to a party and introduce introverts to new people? Um, how could you go and start exciting conversations with people to help them feel less awkward? That is the greatest gift that extroverts have, and they give it so freely and so willingly. And so if you're an extrovert, I feel like you have the best gift to bring to a holiday party. It's like adopting, as you're talking, I'm thinking about adopting like a host mentality, even if you're not the host Kind of, exactly. kind of helping the host. Yes, exactly. And 
sometimes even ambiverts who are feeling extroverted can do this as well. Like when I am hosting or if I'm at an event that is one of my, my professional events, I will look for people sitting in the corner. Like I look for those introverts because I really want to make their event better. And so it's the same thing for an extrovert is how can you find those people who need you? Because they, there are going to be people who need you. And all you have to do is give them a little bit of your enthusiasm. Extroverts, sometimes I've noticed some of my very, I don't know if flamboyant is the right word, but but really, really <laughs> extroverty people sometimes will bore me to tears. And I'm sure you've been too in this in this conversation, Vanessa, and you never want to be that person. What are some of the the body cues when you know, you know what, it's probably time for me to wrap this up? Yeah. So there's two cues you want to look for if you're an extrovert and you're chatty. If you're really chatty, that's great. And sometimes people love it. But there's two cues you want to watch out for that you maybe talked for too much, which is blocking and distancing. So from a body language perspective, those are two things that usually signal some sort of disengagement. So um, distancing is when someone takes a step back or physically removes themselves in a body with it. They might act like they're paying attention, but maybe they take a step back, they lean back, they tilt their head back, they lean their shoulder back. It's a subconscious way that our body tries to get away from something. Um, we do it, for example, when we lie. Uh, we tend to do it when we feel guilty about something. And we also tend to do it when we're bored or disengaged. So look for that outward foot pivot, like a sudden movement. So if they, if they do that all the time, then no. But if all of a sudden they kind of uh, blade or they put their shoulder back, they put their toe out, they uh, lean back in their chair, they lean their head back, you've probably had some kind of disengagement. They're thinking about the bathroom. They're thinking about the party. Right, yeah. <laughs> they're thinking their car or their phone or their whatever. Um, the other one is blocking. And blocking is really simple. It's just when someone covers their torso with something. So it could be crossing their arms, could be holding a purse in front of their body, could be holding a pillow in front of their body. Like this, de- like this defensive kind of thing. Yes, yes. And it, it kind of signals closed-mindedness. There's a, a research study, I think it was by Calero, that looked at negotiations. And they found that when people cross their arms, they, it tends to signal a closed-minded attitude. So it signals that negotiation isn't going well. It's the same thing in social situations. If someone suddenly crosses their arms, if someone already had their arms crossed, I wouldn't take note of it because it could be cold. It could be uncomfortable in their outfit. But if all of a sudden they lean back and cross their arms, you've probably just hit their max, their limit. Time to go. Time to use your wrap-up line. Exactly. And we wish you all on your weekend plans. Fantastic. I'm going to check out the buffet again. Right. Let's talk about a lot of these holiday parties, especially for work. There might be some influential people in the room. Maybe the boss's boss. You want to make a good impression. You want to make sure you say hi. I've seen people step all over themselves, making the wrong impression. um, And then everybody's talking about them the next day or the, or you will go home and you don't make any impression at all. How do you get up the strength to actually go talk to that super influential person in the room that you've always wanted to meet? So this is really important because what we have to realize, so let's talk about the bad, what goes wrong. So oftentimes when you talk to a VIP, you're either trying to impress them. So you share all these witty anecdotes you prepared and great stories and you flatter them and compliments which can go way wrong way fast unless you have someone who likes that. Or someone wants the VIP, they want to put them on a pedestal and they want the VIP to, they want to ask great questions and get the VIP talking and, um, you know, uh, expounding on their knowledge and pick their brain, right? VIPs get asked the three words, pick your brain all the time. Now, there are some VIPs, the extroverted ones, the high ambiverts that love it. They love to be on a pedestal. They want people to give them accolades. They want to talk and talk and talk. There are other VIPs who talk and talk and talk for a living. 
They don't feel like talking at a party and they, all they want to do is listen and be treated like a normal person. So they actually don't want to get the accolades and, and, um, have to be the center of attention. Your goal is to figure out which one they are. So are they someone who really, really wants to be the center of attention and really wants to expound and talk? Great. You're going to go in with great conversation starters that they're never asked before. So many times I've heard um, VIPs, uh, especially bosses, where people will say, so how'd you get into your line of work? Oh my God. Do you know how many times they've been asked, how have you gotten into your line of work? All the time. You know, you could also probably Google it. Don't ask them anything that they have been asked before. You think they've been asked before that you could Google or find out by reading their book or researching. Try to ask them something because usually people who like to talk want to talk about something very different. So try to think of some kind of sparker that's going to give them a different answer. New, the, the ones I gave earlier work really well. Like what's your new year's plans or, you know, um, uh, what, what great gift have you gotten so far this year? It sounds like more personal stuff. If it's those, it's going to be less career stuff, more personal about the fabric of their life. It could be, but you have to be careful because some VIPs do not want to talk about personal stuff. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so your goal, if you can ahead of time, especially if you can observe them a little bit beforehand or see them in other conversations is to figure out first, you know, what are they? Do they like to talk and be put on a pedestal? And second, are they going to like talking about personal stuff or career stuff or neutral stuff, right? Like neutral things, uh, Netflix shows, <laughs> things in the news. And by the way, if they're the opposite, if they don't like to talk very much, you should then come in with some great stories to tell them to get a, give them a break. So many VIPs that I work with are so exhausted from talking about themselves <laughs> that they don't want to be asked a great conversation. They would love to hear your story, right? They, they talk all the time. And so that would be a great time for you to come in with some great stories or some great ideas to give them a little bit of a break. And once again, while you're giving them that great story, you're paying attention, looking for that blocking move or the yes, step back. Exactly. And it might, it might even be saying, Hey, like, do you want to grab food? Sometimes bosses, they never get a chance to eat at their own parties, right? Because they're constantly talking to people and schmoozing. Hey, do you want to get food? Do you want to grab a drink together? Do you want to step outside for some fresh air? It might actually be doing something with them. That might be a way that you can just be someone that they enjoy speaking with, enjoy talking to. Cause like, I will say when I go to conferences or parties, I am not a talker. If I'm talking on stage or I love to talk on podcasts, but I would much rather listen. I would love to hear your story. And so when people ask me questions about my own background, I I get bored of myself. I just want to hear about them. And so trying to figure out um, which one they are is extremely helpful and respectful to them. That is awesome stuff. Well, thanks a ton for spending some time with us. Let's talk about two things. First of all, let's talk about Captivate, your book. You go over a lot of these tools, a lot of the ways to think and to be more captivating. That's available everywhere, Vanessa? Yeah, everywhere. Um, what was cool about this, thanks for asking such great questions. I got to talk about stuff that isn't even in the book. So that was awesome. Yeah. Well, we normally we have people on and we talk about the book, but today you've helped us so much because the holiday party, as you know, is so stressful for so many people. But then at the Science of People, you guys do great work there. Tell everybody a little bit about what you do and how you work with some of your students, like you were talking about earlier. Sure. So we are a human behavior research lab, which means I get to ask people invasively personal questions for my own amusement. (laughs) Fantastic. Yep. Uh, I I told you I love to listen. And so we do all kinds of original research and we take academic research and turn it into courses. So we have a lot of courses on the science of soft skills, science of charisma, science of conversation, breaking people down into 
formulas, blueprints, and hacks as much as we possibly can. I'm a recovering awkward person, which you'll find out in the book. And the only way I've learned to overcome any awkwardness is by studying people like I used to study for science. I find that soft skills can be hard if you know how to break them down. So that's exactly what we do. So, I mean, you know what, if you're on your commute or walking the dog out on your morning run, whatever, we've got you covered. We'll have all of those links to Captivate and the Science of People at our show notes page at Stacky Benjamins. Vanessa, thanks for taking some time to help us through holiday season. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great holiday season. Hey there, turkey lovers. Man, there is just, there is just nothing like leftover turkey. In fact, the best thing about Thanksgiving, eating leftovers for the next two weeks. Oh man, I just... Oh, I just cannot get enough. You put a little turkey, a little bit of stuffing, some cranberry sauce on some good thick breads. Whoa! Oh my, that'll take you to a whole nother place, won't it? Oh, wait, what? What segment are we on? Okay, all right, trivia. Yeah, 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 I got it. Give me a second here. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay, I got it. Hold on. All right, here's a good one. According to foodsafety.gov, how many days can you keep turkey in the fridge before you should throw it out? I'll be back with your answer right after I warm up another helping. Well, this is the time of year I feel like we're a little bit like those uh, campaigns on NPR where they talk about the same thing over and over. But seriously, this year, if you want to start off 2019 on the right foot, you want to enroll for the Stacker. That's our weekly newsletter that's getting the reboot January 1st. So if you're somebody that likes a surprise email full of good stuff once a week, financial goodness, whether it be tips, we're going to go through everything from budgeting to debt relief, to investing, to insurances throughout the course of 2019. Don't miss a week of it. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash stacker. Instead of the past where the stacker was written each week by me ahead of time, I've taken an old book that I wrote and I have chopped it up into 52 bite-sized morsels that you can then implement. And each one of our stacker normal editions has valuable takeaway advice at the bottom. So in an era where people say that if you get one good thing done a day, You've done a great job. We're going to give you one a week to take. And by the end of next year, you're going to be a financial ninja. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash stacker to sign up so that starting in January, you'll be ready for the greatest financial newsletter on earth. Is that overselling? I don't know. back stackers i'm joe's mom's neighbor doug you'd think i'd feel a little guilty cleaning up the fridge but hey i mean you know if joe and og had wanted some of the goods they'd have had plenty of opportunities last week here was today's trivia question according to foodsafety.gov how many days should you keep turkey in the fridge before you have to throw it out and the answer Let's uh, see here. Uh, okay, got it right here. Yeah, just hold on a second. It says here on the foodsafety.gov that you should definitely throw out old turkey at the latest um, four days after Thanksgiving. Right, let me just look at the calendar here. Okay, yeah, I'm going to be right back in just a... I'll be back.
Thanks to Vanessa Van Edwards for hanging out. You know, I'm not a fan of the party OG where you just stand around with a drink in your hand. And like Vanessa said, just looking for a way to get out of this conversation. <laughs> I, t- I totally hate that type of party. Oh my, look at the time. Yes. Gotta go. So give me a party where maybe we do something. Maybe there's some activity. Joint a little theme. Act- yes, absolutely. You might have seen, you, you watch Shark Tank, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Dim appeared on Shark Tank with his company Blendtique, where you have parties, you know, maybe you don't like one variety of wine, you don't like one, you don't like another. And it's a party where you create your own wine blend, and then you can order your own bottles of of the wine, whatever. Just have fun that night blending your own wine and drinking it, or create your own OG variety of wine. Wouldn't that be fun? The OG variety of wine. How sour would that be? Have some great tannins. What are you talking about? <laughs> You'd have a monster. Have a hint of blackberry, finishing with some tobacco, and a slight taste of whiskey. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole new, it's a whole new world. Uh, Billy might not have done that in his time as a, as a sommelier, but uh, let's say hello to Billy Dim from Blentique. And walking down the stairs, the guy with the wine who makes him our BFF, Billy Dim from Blentique. How are you, man? Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show, buddy. Well, you're going to spice up the party here. (laughs) How did you guys actually come up with Blentique? Because I think this idea, especially now around the holidays, bringing people together, it's a fun, fun way to throw a party. Absolutely. Well, that was a big part of, of how we I conceived of this concept was I was noticing there's a tremendous increase in the desire for people to learn a little bit more about wine, learn a little bit more about the process. At the time, I was actually trying to educate myself, uh, had left a career in uh, sales and consulting and found myself in California wine country working in tasting rooms as I was trying to figure out my next steps. And obviously just fell in love with the wine business, the industry, the community, and was kind of on a fast track to self-educate because I saw that this was a a real interest for me to continue to pursue. But I noticed uh, that there was definitely something that was kind of lacking in the tasting experience in the wine education side of the industry where people could engage in something that was both fun interactive, as well as educational for them to kind of evolve their interests in wine and also to be able to entertain and to engage wine in a social environment that's just uh, totally unique and totally fun. And it's something that we in the wine world as winemakers that work in the industry, what we've done is we've almost taken the final and most fun part of the winemaking process and sort of put it into the hands of the consumer. And through this really cool interactive experience, people can engage wine, like I said, and learn and enjoy the social aspect and the intoxicating, uh, delightful <laughs> effects of, uh, of wine. And, uh, and also, you know, take away from it something where they can uh, not only have this tremendous experience, but then further that by once they've created something that's very unique in this blend in this throughout this blending process, then they can actually return to the Blendtique website and upload their favorite recipe, design their unique label, which would make for, you know, a secondary great gift item. Obviously we have our, our blending kits, which are wonderful 
as we talk about the up and coming holidays and uh, holiday activities. But then thereafter, if you know if they love the uh, the engagement aspect, they can further this step by uh, actually going ahead and creating their ideal recipe and ordering the wine that they themselves have created. And then that's of course a great gift item to share uh, with friends, family, neighbors. You name it. So, yeah, I think uh, it'd be I think it'd be fun, Billy. Mom having her own bottle of wine that she serves that is intensely hers. It's her own blend, and nobody else has that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we we do a lot of custom labels that are obviously very family oriented. So you know, people submit photos of their family around the holidays. You know, Thanksgiving right around the corner here. You know, that's a really cool way to share something at Thanksgiving dinner. You come up and all of a sudden you're like, well, hey, guys, this is the wine that I blended. It's got my personal label. We do a lot of it's funny, you know, depending on the you know, there's a lot of special events. So, of course, yeah. we'll, we'll work with company logo wines and stuff like that. But I always get a kick out of seeing, you know, people getting creative with their with their private label wines, they can name the wine, whatever they want. So it takes that creativity even one step further. They not only get to design their own wine blend unique to their own palate, but then they can actually create and design labels. So, uh, it's really cool. And, you know, we do wedding photo, uh, labels for, you know, those kind of groups and, and settings. Also, uh, a lot of dogs. I feel like we do. People love their dogs. So, you know, I, I probably maybe done more dog labels uh, than anything else, and it's just so funny because people are just so enamored. So, yeah, a lot of people. It's their two favorite pairings. Right? Sure, you know their favorite drink and their favorite animal, and. Uh, there it is. It's their dog wine. Yeah. Let's dive into it in just a second. It's funny that you you talk about working in, in wine tasting rooms because I recently with friends took a, a wine class where we did tastings. And it's funny because about halfway through the tasting, of course, wine's this natural lubricant where the conversations get easier and everybody's having a good time and laughing. But it seems like every time, and you must have seen this, Billy, every time we're doing our tasting, we're going... Oh, I wish it had a little more of this. Well, I wish, wish maybe if it were a little more of this, but of course our opinions are all different. This gives right. people the ability to just go make it that way. Well, you hit it on the head because I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, ultimately I became a sommelier and a winemaker and, you know, my education, I was pretty dedicated to learning as much as I could as I got into this industry a little bit later. But the thing you learn probably most of all, especially as a psalm, which obviously there's a lot of interest in the sommelier community now, and there's a lot of uh, web episodes and interesting documentaries about the whole experience of becoming a sommelier. One of the things that I thought was the most interesting was that as a psalm, I think your real primary role is not to know everything and not to you know, one up, I think a lot of people are intimidated by the education, you know, you go to a restaurant. I think the best Psalms are the ones that can actually go to a table with people with very little knowledge and very little comfort level in knowing wine and be able to help them facilitate their ideal wine that will work with their palate, that will work with their meal. And essentially, that's what we wanted to do with this experience is give people a comfort level, a, a kind of an ease. You know, obviously, yes, you noted that it is a wine itself is a lubrication, you know, socially that will ease tensions in a social environment regardless. But the most important thing about this is that you are your own best judge of what it is that you like and you don't like. And through this process, you're going to be able to kind of hone in on what it is that you identify with in a given wine. And you can kind of build, as you noted, you know, when you went wine tasting, you know, if there was something you felt like was a little lacking, then, you know, through this process, you can actually build the complexity, build the character traits that you yourself gravitate towards. And that was kind of how this 
the real premise of this idea kind of came into itself. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about just how the wine party works then, Billy. So I'm assuming that ahead of time, like I'm inviting a few people over, I order, is it a kit from blendteak.com or what, what do I order? What happens? Yes. So the way you would get started, and we have a couple of different versions of the custom blending kit. We also have some combo packs. So if you wanted to either pre-order three, six, or 12 bottles of your custom wine to be included in that kit, you can do that. But a lot of the times people will start with a, you know, one of our kits. We have a couple of different options. There's kind of a, a luxury version that comes in a beautiful wooden wine crate, which obviously makes for a great gift. But essentially what you're doing is, is you, would, you would start with one of the blending kits. And in each kit, you have four single varietal wines. So you have in our base kit, basically it's a Rhone variety and a Bordeaux variety combination pack. And so the four varieties that come in this are probably the most prevalent, well-known blending grapes in the world. And of course, one of the reasons why this is also this concept is hitting home with a lot of people is people are starting to realize the more they learn a little bit about wine, that some of the most interesting wines in the world are actually blends. You know, you talk about first growth Bordeaux, you talk about regions like Chateauneuf de Pop and, and different areas of Rhone. You have the famous GSMs out of Australia. So really, uh, some of the top rated wines in the world for going back several centuries now in the world of wine have always been blends. This is very much a part of the process of actual winemaking. So being able to do this activity with friends or a date night or a couple's night is really just something that's super fun and super engaging and really a great way to, to have fun. So in the base kit, you're going to have your four single varietals. You also get a 250 milliliter Erlenmeyer flask and a 10 milliliter blending pipette. And of course, your blending manual, which kind of takes you through the process. And the manual has great information just about basic wine terminology and different character traits for you to, to look at or try to identify. And essentially, the entire process is geared towards you as the individual consumer or as the party or as the group trying to understand what it is about a given wine that you like. So that's kind of how you would get started. And yes, the kits are available and combo packs are available at blendteak.com. We have select retailers that are now we're not working with. And we have a, um, a nice relationship with uh, Celebrity Cruise Lines. If any of your listeners are out traveling the world, if, they, if they're taking a Celebrity Cruise, they can actually go and take one of the classes. Oh, wow. But yeah. So it's a lot of fun. And it's fun because you can also, in a group setting, in a party setting, you don't have to be a SOM. You know, we wanted to make this process as fluid and as easy to understand as possible so that an everyday wine enthusiast can basically host a party, host an event, and have this really fun thing. And you hit the nail on the head because when people originally start tasting, you know, they're a little timid, they're a little shy. And, you know, being able to do this from the comfort of your own home with your friends right. or a party setting, it just really kind of alleviates that pressure. There's no professionals around. Yeah. Uh, and it's just you and your taste buds and, you know, your opinion. And that's really, you know, ultimately, no matter what, all these fancy restaurants that we go to and these psalms, they're so well-educated that they're being televised. There's only a hundred masters <laughs> right, in the world. Right. You know, it's you know, really at the end of the day, that's great. I'm blown away by some of those people too. I, did, I certainly didn't achieve that level myself. But the ultimate thing is, is what it is that, Joe, what do you like? You know, what does your family like? And for that matter, wine is such a, um, 
based on the actual time and place and meal that you're enjoying, it, your, your tastes might change. So you can create several different versions of a wine that you may like and enjoy it that way. So it's, it's a lot of fun. That sounds like a more, much more than a full night's worth of fun. I mean, I get the full night first and then I convince mom to make a couple cases for me so I don't have to do it myself. Yeah, and then, exactly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I do like the fact that it takes wine to the level that it is ultimately about what you like and everybody starts somewhere, you know, exactly. when it comes to yeah, liking so wine. Ne- you know, so the next time you have somebody on your show, you can have your bottle here right. you know, to serve a glass to your, to your right. guests and just say, hey, this is what I blended. And this is, you know, this is the, the fun label I came up with. And, uh, you know, it's Joe's Cuvée, you know, go go to town or, yeah. or maybe maybe you do it for your mother instead. Well, I was going to say the last thing. Yeah, maybe we got to get people a little drunk before we bring them down to the basement just so they don't realize, you know. <laughs> What a, what a wreck this table is, right? This holiday season, by the way, Billy, has been a very difficult one for you. You've been displaced by the fires in California. Yeah, that's right. It's actually been five, six days now that we, my wife and I have been out of our home in Point Doom area oh, man. Uh, in North Malibu. So, you know, we just feel awful for everything going on uh, throughout the state of California. I know a lot of families aren't okay, but your family has been Okay. Yes, we feel very fortunate. We're still under mandatory evacuation, but it turns out that our home is intact. But, uh, you know, many of our neighbors in the surrounding community have lost pretty much everything. Wow. And because of that, this holiday season, you actually have a special thing that you're doing. Tell me a little about that. Yeah, so we decided we really want to support the California firefighters that have just been fighting this thing tooth and nail, both north and south, as well as definitely support the communities that are at such a tremendous loss. We've decided that a portion of all sales from basically now through the end of the year, uh, a portion of the proceeds uh, of, of every sale are going to go to um, California firefighters and the victims of the, uh, the Woolsey and uh, Camp Fires. Man, that's fantastic. And uh, so many people, you're, I'm seeing it on the news every day, and it's just absolutely horrible. So thanks for doing that. Of so, course. The site is blendteak.com. It uh, sounds like a great way to spend a holiday party. Much, much less boring than just standing around with the drink in your hand. You're making the drink in your hand. Billy Dim, thanks for hanging out with us and explaining it to us. Anytime. It was a lot of fun, Joe. Thanks a lot to Billy. I love this idea of making your own wine. I think that that just sounds like a ton of fun. Hey, also a ton of fun is answering letters that people send us down here in the basement. Thanks to everybody who's sent us a note. And today we're going to answer one from Mike. Mike says, hey guys, quick question for you. I switched to a 2% cashback reward card this year. I found the card on Magnify Money. I've used that site to save a ton. Seriously, I have. He says, as if he's not serious. No, seriously, I really have. Thanks to SoFi and City, I've saved a lot. SoFi lets me pay off my student debt sooner, and I'm using the 2% cash back to help fund my Roth. My question involves City and maybe all credit card companies. My wife and I use the card to pay for life each month and then make the payments through the month to pay the balance off in full, resulting in no interest charges. What I've noticed with City is that the statement balance is not reflected on their payment screen. The payment screen uses the statement balance and subtracts any recent credits, such as returns and refunds. 
This led to an interest charge for me last month. I fought the charge and it was quickly reversed. This seems shady to me. My October statement balance was $3,543.26 and the make a payment screen stated I needed to pay $3,431.81 to pay my balance in full. The difference of $111 would be subject to an interest charge. I fully understand that if I make a purchase today, October 22nd, that it will not be due until my November due date in early December. But why should this apply to a credit? If it does apply to a credit, that's fine, but they need to tweak that payment screen. It's misleading if you ask me. Dave and Susie weren't available and suggested I reach out to those guys in the basement. I guess that's you guys. P.S. He says, come to Minneapolis. We want a live show. Thanks for the question, Mike. We'd love to come to Minneapolis, not going there in January, but uh, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> Minneapolis I've is. I've been to Minneapolis in January. It is on the heels, mind you, of a four day weekend in South Florida. You got to be kidding where me. Where it was 82 degrees every day. Oh, my. And then I went right to, I like literally landed back in Michigan, went home. This is when I lived in Michigan, went home, grabbed a suitcase. I'd already packed it, went back in my, got back in my car, drove back to the airport, got on a plane to Minneapolis, realized as I was getting off the plane, I was wearing a polo shirt, <laughs> shorts. I did not bring a coat in Minneapolis. Yep, because I just got like yeah came home from Florida. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you're warm the whole time. You're in an airport. Sure, boom, you're in a shuttle bus. You're in your warm car. I didn't, it didn't even th- dawn on me that it was cold until I got off the plane and I went, oh hell. So no coat. And you bought it some was, of those really inexpensive clothes at the airport. Yeah, exactly. But Brooks Brothers or something is really convenient. <laughs> Super. The people were nice. I had to pay $1,100. Like, oh, we can help you. So let's talk about this uh, statement issue. You know, talking to Nick from Magnify Money before, he talks about how these these companies are not your buddies, OG. Well, it's not set up for you to win, right? It's purposefully set up so that they win. And this is no different than your bank and their deposit pattern. If you read the fine print at most banks... What's the order of transactions for the day? Do they put the deposits in first? Let's say you made three deposits and had four withdrawals with your debit card for today on your regular bank account. What's the order? Most banks do the debits first and then give you your deposits on the back end. Why is that? Because there's a greater chance that you're that you're going to run negative <laughs> through the day if you yeah. go negative, neg- you know, Withdrawal, 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 then a deposit that maybe that fourth withdrawal takes you into the negative, And God forbid the second one does, because in every one, they're going to hit you 25 bucks or whatever. So the same thing is true with credit cards. The way that they process your deposits, or rather your payments, I mean, are going to go in an order that doesn't intuitively make sense because you go, well, I wouldn't want to do that. No different than if you've ever done a balance transfer on a credit card and then use that credit card for something else, Right. So you go, well, where do they put the payment? They put the payment on the 0% stuff. You go, well, I don't want to... No, no, I want the 0% stuff to still stay at zero. I I, I want to pay <laughs> the on, one I charge. Yeah, and the interest. No. They don't let you do that. That's why if you use a balance transfer card, you can't use it for anything else. I think that what happened here is maybe, possibly... Mike had some charges because he's charging, paying it off, charging, paying it off. He might've had some charges that spanned across the statement date. I mean, I don't know what happened and I don't want to defend the credit card because to your point, 
bam, it's indefensible. But possibly, because it doesn't seem like Mike says this happens all the time, I think that might have been what happened. It's kind of interesting to me. I don't know if you've noticed an uptick in in it as well. Banks have so much money right now, like so much that they're trying to lend, that they are giving money away like crazy. In fact, we almost use exclusively for my business, for our business, and for my personal life, American Express. Almost almost uniformly, everything goes on our American Express card. And in the last month, let's say, I've probably gotten four solicitations from them to, quote, apply for the pay over time feature with American Express. Now, you, you're familiar with the Amex bill. You charge it. It's due. Pew, end of discussion. Pay it right, right now. Well, now they've got a little deal. Hey, wait. You don't have to. Don't pay all of it <laughs> off. You don't need to do that. The, the times are tight. It's Christmas. You probably want to you know, delay payment on a little of that. So we'll offer you. We'll, we'll let you do that. It's called pay over time. It's such a convenient thing. They got a large purchase. Just pay a little bit. Especially in December when things are tight. Especially. And if you sign up for it, we'll give you 50,000 membership reward points for signing up. Well, I'm a sucker for points, so I'm like, bam, signed up. Don't care, right? Not going to use it. Here's what they did the next statement period. Just like Mike's statement, it says total spending $3,800. Total amount due $1,297. Like magic. Like hey, oh, well, hell, I don't have to pay that whole bill. How great is that? It's sneaky. And, I, and you know, I know what they're doing, so I don't really pay attention. Our bill's set up automatically to pay every month on the due date, you know, so, so I don't really care. But for somebody who's not paying that close of attention, I just wonder how many people get tricked by that or trapped by it, more like. It's not, it's not tricked. It's, it's trapped. Especially um, this time of year, it's so easy to get trapped. Well, it is. And so just be very, very, very careful. I got a 0% offer in the mail from a credit card that I haven't used in a while. And I'm like, well, hell, if they're going to give me money for 0%, you know, I can find something to do with it. You know, (laughs) double down on my Bitcoin ETF or, you know, whatever. Head up to that casino north of you. Oh, God, that would be great. Did that. Did not. Did not. uh, Did not come out ahead. Didn't do the 0% credit card thing, though. I didn't. But you did visit the <laughs> casino. I did. I took my mom there. Yeah, it's a whole other story. But in any event, you, so you look at it, you go, 0%. That's great. Well, okay, it's 15 months long. Okay, so a little bit over a year. Balance transfer fee, 5%. Bam. So it's not 0%. It's like 4% and a third or something. Anyways, you just have to read all that stuff, yeah. you know, or, or don't get yourself involved in it. Thanks for the question, Mike. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com and at the top of the page, you'll see questions for the podcast. Click on that link and you'll see all the ways that you can interface with the show. And last, November being the month of Thanksgiving, thanks to everybody who's left us a review of this year podcast. This one's five stars going on Mom's Fridge. Fun show by Nina S. I almost got that wrong. It's Nina Snowcap. I get a smile on my face when an episode downloads. Easy to listen to and entertaining. See how quick that is? Bam. Very quick review. Mom puts it on the fridge. Bridge Club sees it. You win. Mom's wins. We win. Everybody wins. You're a winner. And you're a winner. And you're a winner. Everybody. It's like Oprah. Speaking of that, if you need to be a winner with your finances, how about that one, huh? That's a good transition. In 2019, you can get on OG's waiting list. 
stackybedjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G to talk to him in early 2019 about your financial position and making it better in 2019 with good financial help in your corner. All right, that's going to do it, man. Doug, take it from here. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? Well, let's take some advice from Vanessa Van Edwards. First, know your own personality and then do a little prep before heading into a holiday party. You might not only endure the event, but there's a good chance you'll enjoy yourself and make a great impression on the other guests. Second, looking for a good holiday party of your own? Whether you go with Blentique or another idea, think a little creatively about your event and you might have the get-together everyone's talking about until next holiday season. But the big lesson? Yeah, maybe head to foodsafety.gov before going whole hog on the turkey eight days later. Special thanks to Vanessa Van Edwards for joining us on today's show. You'll find Vanessa's book, Captivate, through our bookselling partner at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Powell's or wherever books are sold. You can find Vanessa's site at scienceofpeople.com. And special thanks to Billy Dim. You can get your own wine started at blendteak.com or through our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. If you're new to the show, this is the part that doesn't exist. What happens here stays here. If you're here for financial talk, you can largely go away <laughs> at this point in the show because we rarely talk about money topics. But let's talk about a few things. We haven't yet since the holiday weekend talked about any of the games that we played. It seems like you played some table games, apparently, or maybe some one arm bandit games over the <laughs> holiday season with mom. And we played the game of life, which is so freaking miserable. You mean you, like but, uh, like the board game with the spinner? Yes. It is horrible yes. and miserable. Yeah, it's so bad. How many kids did you have? Thankfully, one. That's um, not bad. Did you buy fire insurance? 
I did. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of stock, which turns out that was a terrible idea. Even though I got like 10,000 every time, basically every time somebody rolled slash spun, I, yeah, I had almost every number. I didn't see a spot where you could turn your stock back in. It wasn't worth anything in the end. Oh, which is which seems kind of dumb, but um, you should be. I've, I I, th- I think I've got everybody motivated to play Monopoly. You were talking about that the other day, the legit way, just to see how that goes. We didn't really spend a lot of time playing board games. Uh, we did do the One Arm Bandit, and I had my predefined budget in my mind, and <laughs> gone. Thankfully, <laughs> they have little machines there that will, with a few digits, give you all sorts of more money. And they conveniently give it to you in hundreds, so you don't have to worry about like trying to trade it in for smaller bills. So you put this plastic card in the machine, and it says, Hello, OG, what is your PIN number? And you type it in, one, two, three, four. And they go, here's how much money you can have. And you, they, it's really fantastic. I don't know if you've ever seen those before. But you're looking at me like, I don't know, if, are you being sarcastic? Yes, it's called an ATM <laughs> machine, Joe. They have ATM machines at casinos. That's where I was going with all of this, is that I lost my bankroll, then I went to the ATM and got more, then I lost it. It's amazing. And then I had a cup of chowder at the yes. end. Nice. Comped and, cup of chowder? Uh, <laughs> you would think. It should have been, yeah. but uh, no. Not quite. So nobody Did, won. Everybody was a loser. Mom didn't win. Yeah, she won a little bit, but she plays different. I go I go for jackpots or nothing. You're just a mess. You were the worst gambler. I have ever Dude, like what's no, not it's I think I'm right on this like how many who, discussions who wants, have you and I ever had where you're like but it's 50 to one I'm like that's why you back the frick away from it you're like but it's 50 to one yeah I know there's a chance that UCF wins the national championship so you got to put money on it you're that guy you're the, you're the, <laughs> the Lions could win the Super Bowl <laughs> You see the you know. money you get paid if the Lions win the Super Bowl at this point? Yeah, especially now. <laughs> especially now mid, at the end of the season, you know? There's like almost no chance. Now that there's like a 2% chance they even make the yeah. the, the, the final. Uh, we played, no, I go, I go bigger. We played some games. I, I had these games. I talked about this before. Goliath Games sent me some games. Allie, who listens to the show, she works for Goliath Games in their PR marketing spot. So she said, hey, we're sending these to all these board game podcasts, but you guys talk about board games. So don't feel like you have to talk about them. And actually, we won't talk about because she sent me four different ones. But we did play a couple that I'll talk about in a second. But when I was in Germany, did I tell you I went to Germany? You mentioned it. Yeah. We got On these the heels l- of your trip to Southeast Asia. We got these little little card games and this this one game and I'm sitting in a toy store in Germany looking up on my phone, like, are these any good? And they had two games. One was called Cockroach Poker. I haven't played that one yet. And the other kid's game was called, or family game, family card game called Schimmel Himmel. I have no idea what that means in German. I could look it up possibly, you know, if I really wanted to do that. But it's this game where you're trying to get rid of all the cards in your hand, like Uno. Mm -hmm. Except in the rules, it says... You can do it that way, but that's not how you're going to win. The way you win the game is by cheating. So there are some rules around how you can cheat. You can do anything you want with a card. And they even say this in the rules. You can chuck it over your shoulder. You can hide it in your sleeve. 
you can put it. There was one hand that Autumn, my daughter, won, and she had half of her hand in her lap where she where she had just gotten rid of all these cards to win the hand by somehow putting them in her lap. One person, and it starts off with the oldest person, is the person who watches everybody to see who's cheating. And everyone else is trying to get away with it. And on the table, there's chaos going on. Initially, you have these flower cards and they have different colors. And like Uno, you can only set another card on the discard pile to try to get rid of a card. But there's all kinds of ways to add cards to people's hands. So first of all, there's these wasp cards. And if somebody puts down a wasp card, everybody else has to, as quick as they can, try to put their hand with their cards in it on top of that wasp card, if it doesn't have a stinger, if it has a stinger and you X and you, you see it and, and there's so much chaos going on, you see a wasp and you're like, Oh, I got to put my hand there first. If you put it on and there's a stinger, you actually have to take two cards, but if there's not a stinger, then everybody else takes two cards except for the first person who does it. So there's some chaos. You've cricket cards between all the players. If you and I are sitting next to each other, we're both trying to steal that cricket card and get it off the table without the other person noticing And if the cricket card goes away off the table, then the other person sitting next to me, like, let's say I take it and you don't notice. If by the time another player plays a card, I go, Hey, OG, I took the cricket card. You got to take two cards and add them to your hand. And it's, it's tougher to go out. There's a card called the pollinator bee. And when you play, and when you play the pollinator, because old games, flowers and bees, flowers and bees. And And so you, you uh, play the pollinator bee, but next to the discard pile, there's a pollinator card. When you play the pollinator card, the pollinator bee, you put it in the discard pile casually. So nobody really notices what you just did. And as quick as you can, you pick up that pollinator card and you, you yell pollination. So my eight year old niece, Emma puts down the pollinator card, yells pollination. She's got three seconds to hit somebody with it. So we we're picking up this card and we're chucking it at each other. Cause if you hit somebody, they got to take two cards and put it in their hand. And then there's all kinds of other cards, but there's, there's tons of chaos going on in the game. The person next to you is always trying to steal that cricket card. You're trying to put as many cards as possible in your lap or in your, in your sleeve or chuck them over your shoulder. Just get rid of them somehow. You know, there's a sheriff. There's somebody who's watching to make sure that you don't do it. And there's a big penalty. If you do it, the game's hilarious. We sat down to learn the rules. And at first, uh, my niece and my daughter were like, I don't know. It just seems I, I, I don't know. And then we started playing it and we had a little crowd of people around us watching us play. And then it, it got more chaotic from there. Schimmel Himmel. Very fun game. Got it. Put play. it on my Christmas list. Your family would dig it. Oh my, the, the OG family. That's an yeah. OG family kind of game. In fact, All right. I think somebody might get it for you. So <laughs> I heard you got a big yes. day coming up on the 21st. Maybe. So maybe. Yes. The, the, Not as big as last year's 21st, but you know, it's on the downhill slide. I was going to say, it is bigger. It's a bigger number. It is. Yes. It's, uh, it's just not as somebody, round. Somebody told me that it's like uh, to equate your birthday to like leveling up to your kids because they'll get it. You're like, oh, I'm now level 41. I've, I'm prestiging. <laughs> what happens at level 50? Because that, that didn't yep. really happen. You have to start over. Oh, do you? That's it. Press a reset yep. button. I wouldn't mind starting over knowing what I know now. If I can keep what I know and I get to start over, that'd be oh, great. Oh, good Lord, yeah. All right, so 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 two more games. Then, I, then, then we play-tested these Goliath <sighs> games. One game's called Friend or Foe. In this game, it was late at night and everybody gone to bed except 
my son and daughter and I, Nick and Autumn and I, and the game's played over five rounds. And it's a game where you get to know your friends and there's five different stacks of cards. So round one might be, what's my favorite football team? And everybody guesses what you're going to say. And if, if they get it right, they get a point if they don't. So it's how well do you know your friends? But by the time you get to level four and five, they are super personal questions. So here I am with my kids and I get this question. In an intimate situation with someone, <laughs> if somebody sees me in that situation, are they going to be greeted by a bald eagle a landing strip or an entire beard. <laughs> and I'm playing the games with my kids. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey guys, you gotta guess. <laughs> which one of those, <laughs> which one of those does your dad have? <laughs> so uh that game didn't go over well <laughs> with our family. My daughter though took it because with her and her friends. Pretty fun game. The last game was surprisingly good. I didn't like the the way it looked. It's called It Happens. And it's just a box of cards. But they took some experts on, on psychology and pain. And they have a few hundred different situations. Your goal is to figure out where they rated one situation versus all the other situations. So some of the cards are just really funny. Let's do one of these, OG. In the misery spectrum, on a scale of 1 to 100, a 20-minute TSA full-body search, where would you put that on a scale of 1 to 100? Is it the normal 60-year-old balding TSA dude? Yes, yes. Or You have to think like about the most horrible TSA 20-minute. Yeah, yeah, not Mila Kunis. <laughs> uh, a full-body scan. 20 minutes, scale of one to 100. I think it would be more embarrassing for him, but um, yeah, I'll give it like a 65. That would okay. Suck. This is how bad some of these cards are. Cause I would agree on its own. That's a 30.5. Now we'll do another one. You lose all your hair everywhere on a scale of one to 100. So a 20 minute TSA full body search is a 30.5. You lose all your hair everywhere. I'd say that's probably worse. Yeah, just give me a number. Above 30.5, so uh, 40. Yeah, so it's 79.5. Now, so you've got these two in front of you, and your goal is to get six in a row. Is it six or eight? I don't remember. I think it was eight in a row. But uh, So now, you have to decide where in your string of cards this goes. So now we got those two basic ones down. You're having triplets. Does that suck less than a 20-minute TSA f full body search? Is it in the middle of 20-minute TSA full body search and lose all hair everywhere? Or is it above lose all your hair everywhere? Am I personally having them? Uh, like as in like labor pains? No. Or like, oh, hell, I got to pay for three kids college. Like, oh, hell, I got to pay for three kids college. Oh, I, I actually like my kids. So I'd say that's easier than a TSA body scan. So it's less than 30. It's actually 84.5. Yeah. They put okay. that at... They According put, to who? They put that at the top. They have these experts, apparently. We just thought these are pretty funny. How about this one? A shard of glass in your salad. I'm overthinking this. 
That's what I kept thinking the entire game. I don't eat salad very much. Also, are you assuming that I eat it or are you assuming that I found it? I think you found it. Well, then, okay, yeah, whatever. I didn't eat it. It's I won't eat the rest, but... It's a, <laughs> like, I give that like a one it's because a, it's a tw- like, I will yes. get a whole bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's a win. <laughs> that is a lawsuit times a thousand. So anyway, they have, they have several hundred of these. As a late night game, we laughed. You know, I mean, obviously, if you're really keeping score, you're doing it wrong. But the game mm-hmm. uh, shit happens was was a bunch of laughs. So thanks to Allie and uh, Goliath Games for sending those to me. Maybe we'll look at the look at the other ones on a different show. But we got to a couple of them and had a good time doing it. Except friend or foe, I'm not going to play with my kids again. <laughs> not because I don't want to, because apparently they don't. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning. Because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.